You know, and then they really followed up with that with a, a very Ahura centric episode, you know, yes. lost in the, lost called Lost in the Translation. Yeah. And uh and that sound that she kept hearing over and over again. And then it would be manifested, you know, in, in like a memory or turns out to be false memory. But the thing I love about this episode, Kirk and Ahura working together. Yes. The, the seeds of their relationship yeah. starting to uh, take take hold. Yeah. And then we'll talk about another key moment in Star Trek history that occurs. And also good to see Kirk and Sam as brothers, you know, together. I thought that yeah. was cool. That was cool because we've never actually seen them together ever. Um, no. You know, in the original series. Originally, when Strange New World started, I thought they were going to play cast the same actor to play Sam and Kurt and uh, Jim because of course William Shatner plays his dead brother with a mu- wearing a bad fake mustache in yes. um, Operation Annihilate in the original series so I thought it would have been hilarious if they cast the same actor to play both roles in Strange New Worlds but I really like the job both of them are doing I think I think they're great they look like brothers uh they pull it off and they've got a great chemistry um, the one, and I loved seeing, I loved Kirk, Spock, and Nuhura meeting in that one scene in the, in the bar. Um, I thought, you know, well, there it is. There's three of the actors, um, or three of the crew members, uh, meeting for the first time. I thought it was just wonderful. And I loved, as you say, Kirk and Uhura working together. The only thing, um, if I were a... You know, I, I think a lot of the canonistas, quote unquote, would probably have issue with the fact that Kirk and Pike aren't supposed to have met yet. Um, in in the original series, in the Menagerie, Kirk says, I met him once when I was taking over the ship or whatever his line is. Ah. Um, theoretically, Kirk and Pike, Kirk should not be on this ship, um, which is why I thought they were doing all these sort of alternate dimension things where Kirk and Pike mm-hmm. really meet. Um, but now they've met. Um, so if I'm being, you know, pedantic about it, uh, that would bother me a little bit, but I've come to the the conclusion that if they're telling good stories, who cares, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, I mean, sure. They're, they're going to bend canon or break canon in some aspects, but you know, the stories are so well told. Oh yeah. That I think, you know, at, at this point it's like, you know what, let them have their fun. Let them do it. Yeah, I mean the the meeting of Kirk and Spock for the first time was just fantastic, yeah. and I remember hearing when they shot it, um, the director, you know, I think it was Ethan that said, "Hey, shouldn't we make a big deal out of this?" Yeah, and the director very wisely said, "No, you you do not know what is ahead of both of you right now, so it's just like meeting another officer and just talking, uh, and maybe." planting the seeds of you know a relationship but certainly not hey man you're spock i mean you're kirk i mean it should never be that so i'm glad they played it that way i thought that was really well done that's smart and i i agree i not knowing that um i when i saw it i was like oh yeah they're just like meeting for the first time and it they're not you know there's no drum roll or anything they're just you know meeting to meeting a fellow officer um mm-hmm. I, I agree. I, I think that was a really smart way to way to do that one. Yeah, great one. 
And then after that was probably another one of my favorites of the season, the crossover with uh, Star Trek, uh, Star Trek Lower Decks. I thought that was hysterical. Uh, it, it was funny. It was interesting. And uh, and Jack and Tony just killed it on, yeah. on board the, as as themselves, as human beings, rather than just their voice. I thought that was really cool. I thought it worked really well. I loved how their uniforms were still the Lower Decks uniforms. Um, yes. Even though they were the real world, they still had the, you know, the um, uh, Delta on the bottoms of the shoes and, uh, and all of that. I thought that was, it was just really, really great. And they fit in really well with that cast. That cast knows yes. how to do comedy. Um, oh, yeah. Really talented cast. So they can turn on a dime between comedy and drama. And I thought they, you know, their reactions to the two of them and the whole thing was just hilarious. I loved it. And I loved seeing uh, the Strange New Worlds cast animated at the end. Yes. Seeing the opening credits animated. I thought that was really, really fun. Yes, yes. Even the that slugworm on the, on the Enterprise. I thought that was great. That's always sucking on the, yep, on the Cerritos. Yeah, no, I I thought it was I thought it was such a well done episode, yeah. and the two actors are just so gifted to be able to do that. And uh, little there were little again little Easter eggs dropped during the course of the episode sure. about Trek history, which yeah. I yeah you know, I, I loved. And um, <laughs> I think there's one scene where Tony goes, "Why is everybody talking so slow here?" <laughs> 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 Which I thought was great. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, one thing Lower Decks can do that none of the other shows shows can do is be very meta about that kind of thing and yes. really comment on them and themselves. Uh, so, um, you know, when they came into the real world and were able to comment on Star Trek Strange New Worlds, it was just, I just thought it was, it was great. It was really, really well done. I don't think, I think, of any of the episodes of this season, I think this would be the least interesting to somebody who's not a Star Trek fan. Um, yes. You know, I think this was fan service in capital letters uh, that really worked. Um, and But it, I don't think somebody coming in, you know, never having seen Lower Decks and never having seen Star Trek this, or Star, Star Strange New Worlds or Star Trek in general, um, I think... I, I think this would not. This would be probably one of the ones on the bottom of my list of to introduce people who have not seen the franchise yet. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think some of the humor carries, but uh, I I think you're right. I think if you haven't seen uh, Lower Decks and you come into this and and you would say why is why is it animated and then live action? What what's going on? Yeah. So that would be hard. But I you know I it it is a a fan service episode and. I'm so glad of it. Um, you know, the the next one, Under the Cloak of War, about the Klingon defector. What did you think of that one? I loved that episode, I have to say. Um, I this was I, I got a chance to talk to the director about this one. Um, it, it was, I thought it was really, really, I thought it was scheduled well in the season, for one thing, because it's between a comedy and the next one, which we'll talk about, which is, Oh yeah. But under the cloak of war. Um, but I thought, I thought the acting was really good. I loved getting more of chapel and Benga's backstory. Um, 
I, you know, I love those characters. I love Jess Bush. I think she's great. Um, and, yeah. Um, and again, I don't want to mispronounce his name, and I'm likely to. Uh, but Mabenga's character or actor, um, I just think they're great, and I loved getting getting to see. I loved getting to see some of the war too. That was not on Discovery. Yeah. I've seen any of that? Um, so I loved being able to do that. I loved being able to see what kind of a doctor each of them was uh, back then. Um, and, you know, they they used a lot of um, uh, footage of, uh, of war and a lot of films of war. Um, they referenced all that kind of thing. Uh, plus, I think they talked to some PTSD people. And, you know, they really mm. they really did their research. Um, yeah. And it really shows in the episode. And there were two choices that I talked to the director about. Um, in as far as directing goes, and one is when they're at the dinner. Yeah, Mabenga, you just focus on his hand, and you see it clench, um, like he's really trying to restrain himself, which I thought was an excellent way of of showing his showing what he was feeling without showing his face. Uh, you know, hmm. it wasn't it wasn't an obvious choice, but it was a really, really good choice. And the other one was not actually showing the stabbing and, you know, blurring it out through that through the glass, I thought was um, was really intriguing, too, because then um, you didn't see the whole thing sometimes. And I'm sure you've heard this said sometimes horror is more horrifying if you don't see the monster. And, All right. Um, that really had that effect. I thought that was really, really well done. Um, and, you know, I think uh, Chapel and Mbenga are going to have some redemption arc of some kind. They're going to have to in season yeah. three because um, it wasn't, you know, what happened wasn't, um, you know, maybe it was Mbenga's fault. Maybe it wasn't, you know, who knows? He killed, he killed the ambassador. Um, yeah. That was not the, best outcome so i think they're gonna need some and then chapel lied about what had happened at the end so yeah I, there's gonna be some reckoning there at some point between them um yeah i that's the thing i had the most problem with it was like wow he killed somebody yeah and it was like i totally understand what the whys of it i don't agree with it uh -huh. but um but yeah that was and you're right it was very nebulous on how it actually happened. Yeah. He could have literally, maybe the character actually lunged on the knife yeah. to, you know, for feelings of guilt, which obviously surfaced during the course of the episode. Yeah. A credit to the director that you were talking about was that scene at the dinner, you could cut the tension with a knife. It wasn't a cordial, you know, atmosphere at all. I mean, you could see the tension in the officers that were there. And uh, and Ortegas, again, learned a little more about her. She was in the war as well and uh, and carries some very ill feelings towards yeah. the Klingons as a result. So I thought that was a, a, a really well. I'm glad you mentioned that scene because that was one of my favorite scenes of the episode. It was it was the dinner from Star Trek six, but done even better. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Better written and actually better. Uh, you know, better acted. It was just a, a really cool scene and uh, really showed the tension at that time, how far the Federation and the Klingon Empire still had to go. 
Yeah. So I thought yeah. that was good. I, I liked it a lot. So yeah. there's a lot to like about the episode. The killing is going to bother me for a while. And I'm like, I'm hoping for a redemption episode for well, those he, two characters. I I believe Mavenga in the original series was not, I mean, he certainly wasn't chief medical officer. No. I'm wondering if this is setting up him getting a demotion and bringing on Bones McCoy as as the mm-hmm. chief medical officer. Maybe not. But I know there have been, there's been talk about how are they going to, you know, work out Mbenga not being the CMO in the original series. I wonder if this is the beginning of that sort of that sort of arc. But I yeah. don't know. Yeah. That's that's a great that's a great point. You know, I don't know how they're gonna do it. Uh I think at this point they're probably working on season three from a writing standpoint anyway. So um but yeah if it's anything like two <laughs> it's gonna be awesome. It really is. The, the second to last episode is also one of my favorites, Subspace Rhapsody. Oh my gosh. The songs on this were so popular. I think they were like number one on Apple Music. I mean, that was amazing that people just gravitated and they were excellently written songs. Yeah. I was blown away by the singing ability of some of these folks. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I mean, you know, um, and if your listeners don't, um, probably most of them don't. I'm a the- theater stage manager, so I've made my life. I've been in theater for like 30 years, um, and I I was so looking forward to this episode. I had a theory when I talked to Benji Bakshi, the cinematographer, way back at the beginning of the season. I had a theory that this was going to be a musical episode, um, and he could neither confirm nor deny that at the time. And sure. then as soon as they announced it, he emailed me and was like, well, looks like you're right. <laughs> um, and, and then I had a second conversation with him about this episode. Um, I thought this episode was just so much fun. Um, oh, yeah. You know, you don't necessarily, if you like musical theater, you don't necessarily need to know all the characters and stuff. Um, you don't even necessarily need to be a Star Trek fan, although it probably helps. Um, but but it's just the music's fun and bright and they do everything from, you know, the standard I want song to, um, you know, a dancing sto- showstopper, um, uh, you know, and most of them had great voices. Uh, a couple of them, you know, like Mabenga, they even made a joke about I don't sing and they didn't have him sing. I'm sure that actor does not sing, um, you know, so they, they put it into the episode. Um, but it was it was just a really fun episode. And part of what made it fun was you saw how much fun the cast was having. They, oh, yeah. Everybody was so excited about that episode. Benji was so excited about that episode. Everybody involved just had a blast doing that. And you can tell from the performances that the cast was like, we're doing a musical. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it was it was great. I had the uh, privilege to talk to the choreographer. Oh, cool. And, uh, what was interesting was he said the hardest scene to actually choreograph are the scenes that doesn't involve a lot. So there's a scene uh, between uh, Kirk and number one. And they actually, you know, they end up having dialogue. They sing a little bit and then they dance. And he says the hardest part is getting them to the right spot and, and then getting them to go into the dance. He says sometimes the simplest things 
are the hardest things to choreograph. And he said that was a hard scene to do. Uh, you know, the corridor obviously restricts, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the, the dance numbers you can do and, and how far. He was blessed, he said, that the, uh, the director allowed him to go on the set and with some of his dancers, and they, they choreographed a lot. And then they were able to teach the actors what to do. And they, they knew the limitations of the space. You know, in particular, the scene in the bar, that was, um, or their version of 10 Forward, their, that scene itself, he had the, the, you know, having, being able to be there ahead of time and to see how much room he had to work with, he said was a big help. And the same thing on the bridge, but you know, he was there during filming. Uh, you know, most of the time, there's a picture I have of him, uh, you know, direct, you know, kind of choreographing the finale with the actors. But he said he said everybody was really super keen on doing it, and uh, he was really proud of it. And and I thought I thought I, I as far as the season, I think it's a I think it's a top top five episode too. I I agree. I, I loved how they used Celia Rose Gooding. Um, yes, she. I mean, she made her name on Broadway in Jagged Little Pill. That's that's she where did. recognition. Um, and uh, I I thought she's got a beautiful voice. They gave her a, a great ballad number to sing, oh. uh, which I thought was one of the best numbers of the show, actually. Um, and um, and then she got to have the solution. Um, of how to how to make all the singing stop, um, yes. which you know I thought was was great. And then we got singing Klingons. Oh um, my god! Which do you know who played the lead singing Klingon? I do, I do. Yeah. I talked to the choreographer about it. Oh, of course. So yeah, it was. I didn't realize till afterwards it was Bruce Horak. That's who right. Played uh, the engineer in the first season. Um, yes. And I had no clue. I had no idea. Um, yeah, he, he he said he had a lot of fun doing it, yeah. and uh, he also made another appearance uh, in the episode, uh, the Lost in the Translation episode, as well yes. as himself. Yes, that's one cool. thing I meant to mention. I I loved seeing him again because I love that character. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. and um, and yeah, so uh, so yeah. Speaking I, of people that you'd like to see, I, it's always a pleasure to see Clint Howard in the Star Trek universe. I love that. He's been there from day one. I tell you, you know, yes, <laughs> Baylock himself. Hey, yep, how's that trying exactly. you, buddy? Yeah. <laughs> With that grapefruit juice he didn't want to drink. Yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I always love when they get it. He's been in, I don't think he's been in every series, but he's been in almost every series. Yeah, he is. He's He's been in and out quite a bit. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, bless him. I think it's great. And he, he loves doing it. So that's Absolutely. wonderful. Yeah. The series finale was obviously a cliffhanger, and yes. um, oh boy, uh, that was a lot to chew on. Mm -hmm. um, I got to tell you, my one of my favorite things though, we uh, get to meet Montgomery friend. Scott. Yes, <laughs> and he's a good actor for it. It's, he's an actual Scotsman, um, and you know I thought he played the part really well. Oh, he had Scotty's talent of jury rigging and. You know, making a, being a miracle worker, you know, yeah. I really appreciated that. Well, and that leads me into something we should have talked about earlier, which is Carol Kane. 
Um, so yes. Carol Kane came in as the engineer and played uh, Pelia, and yeah. she and Scotty have have a tumultuous past relationship, one might yeah. say. Um, and I, th- I, I was when I heard she was doing the show, I was so excited because I love Carol Kane, uh, the princess. Oh, yeah, Kane, she's great. You know, and I, she only has a small role in the Princess Bride, but she, I loved her in the Princess Bride. And then in the series Gotham, which is a Batman prequel. Uh, yes. She played Penguin's mother. That's and right. Then it was announced that Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman, was going to be playing Penguin's father. And I was like, I cannot wait to see a scene between Carol Kane and Paul Rubens. And then they killed her off the week before he came on the show. I was yes. so disappointed. But yeah. uh, spoiler for Gotham. Um, yeah, there you go. <laughs> better never than late. Um wow. <laughs> Uh, but I was so excited when she was on the show and she, you know, they didn't overuse her, which I thought was great. She wasn't in every episode. Um, and she was usually uh, com- comic relief when they did use her, but she did come up with solutions to stuff as well. You know, mm-hmm. I thought she used her really well throughout the, throughout the season. And then she, she and Scotty had this relationship in this final episode, which I thought this last episode was great. I yeah, it was great. My top episode of the season, actually. I thought it was yeah. Really um, you know, yeah, that was pretty intense. That was a really intense episode, and um, yeah, I mean, it's it. Wow, yeah, that was a really, really intense episode, and I, I really liked it. As far as Pelia, honestly, it took me a little while to warm up to her. It was, she was a very different chief engineer that I'm that we're used to seeing. Um. I appreciated her style. I appreciated how Carol Kane handled the role. Not an easy part to play. She makes it look easy, but it's not easy. Yeah. And um, and then the episode where Kirk and uh, and and Leal go back in time to the yeah they go back in time. Essentially, uh, when she comes into it, I I I kind of warmed up a little bit to her nefarious side. Uh-huh, he, sure. Where, where these famous artifacts have a way of disappearing whenever she's around. So yeah. I, I kind of dug that. It's like, okay, so she's a little a little larceny in her. I I, I can dig that. I but, it took yeah. me some time to understand her accent, but yes. it's basically she was Carol Kane being Carol Kane. You, you, yes. You hire Carol Kane, you know you're gonna get a weird accent of some kind. Yeah. Um and you know, it was it was bizarre and it was a little hard to understand at first. Um yeah. But, you know, I, I loved having her there. I thought she brought a different energy to the show that none of the other characters had. Uh, and so, you know, I, I it was a nice break. Um, mm-hmm. I expect she might last another season, Tops. Um, my thought was that they were going to have a different chief engineer every season. Um, but But now we brought Scotty on. And she's there's a cliffhanger, so she's obviously going to at least be in the next episode. Um, so you know, we'll see. We'll see w- where they go. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I I, I got to ask you about your feelings about for the first time we're seeing an adult Gorn on there. How yes. how that scene with the Gorn in the uh, the spacesuit and all that was just that was a great scene. It was a great scene. Yeah, I actually really liked it. Uh, they, I did, I did a whole article on the history of the Gorn, taking take oh, cool. the, the original series, 
uh, to that terrible enterprise digital Gorn that they tried um, yeah. up to this, up to th these Gorn. I think these Gorn, in terms of scariness, are the most effective. I think the oh, yeah. I have a soft spot for the TOS Gorn because it's a ridiculous costume. And, you know, you're not going to be scared and it's very, very slow. You know, um, I could have ducked that swing. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I have a soft spot for it. I think it's, I think it's um, you know, a classic look. It's a 60s. It's very, very 60s. And, you know, I like that with the glittery eyes and everything. Um, so I love that. But I think in terms of reality and scariness, these Gorn are the ones. Um, and I, uh, the, the guy who, um, did the, did all the special effects, um, or his company did all the special effects for the season. He started out as a puppeteer on Jurassic wow. Park. Oh, wow. Um, so I, you know, I talked to him a little bit about that and he said that, that definitely sort of fed into what they, what they're doing now, you know, all that work. Cause the. I mean, I don't know how how recently you've seen Jurassic Park, but it still holds up. You know? Oh yeah, the oh, special yeah. effects, even and everything, and the puppets and all that oh, still yeah. holds up. Um, and so they use some of that movement and stuff to sort of inform how they how they do effects like this. Um, and you know, he's basically come full circle because he's doing big lizards again. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> um, and but I thought I thought it was really effective you know it, it yes. they don't look like the original gorn but they probably shouldn't look like the original gorn they no don't. no they shouldn't they shouldn't no, no i i i really like them i i did too i really like them and i you know that they're, they're they're just they're also establishing how it kind of works in their hierarchy they send their young ones out yeah. to do some of like almost like the ground troops and then the the older ones are the ones that call the shots and Go in for the real, go in for the kill, you might say. Right. Yeah. So I really appreciated that. I did not know this, but that was not, some of it I think was CGI, but yeah. the actor in the spacesuit was actually an actor, yeah. not a, uh, so they were actually fighting against, you know, and they did, I, I saw it on, on uh, you know, on Will Wheaton's show, uh, you know, and, and it was really wild how they did the wire work for that scene uh, because obviously they, it's hard to do floating in space unless you do the vomit comet, and that's not easy either. But uh, but uh, but yeah, it was um, it was well, it was really well done, and I I think it seems like that's the villain they're kind of you know uh, you know latching their star to is uh, the Gorn and developing them, and I'm all for that. Yeah, I am too. I've heard it um, uh, said. I heard somebody say, you know, well. That's not right because the Gorn weren't really bad guys in the original series. They were just trying to defend their home. But I think it's okay. I mean, I again, canon, you know, bend canon a little. But I think it's I think it's okay that the that the Gorn are are villains in Strange New Worlds. Um, you know, as we get to know these races, we become friends with them. The Klingons were villains in the original series. Yes, and, they were. Um, and even you know, in Strange New Worlds, they work together once in a while, but. They're essentially nobody trusts them, um, and then we get to the next generation, and we've got to cling on on the bridge. So, you mm -hmm. know, I think relationships to these alien creatures um, 
can you know can evolve and grow and they aren't necessarily the same for pike's crew as they were for kirk's crew and going forward uh so mm -hmm. i really like seeing that uh, you know i think that's one of the benefits of doing a prequel show is getting to see where it goes and sometimes it's a little little ham-fisted like the vulcans not everybody loves the vulcans in enterprise um and and seeing where they're going and you know it was a little bit of a ham-fisted way of doing it but um but i think they're doing a great job with the gorn um, and yeah. it, in terms of the effects, he did tell me it was part practical, part digital. Um, and okay. you really can't tell no. know where it begins and ends. You don't know, yeah. You know yeah. which I think is really super effective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I, I liked the relationship between Pike and I forget her, Mer Melanie Scarfano's character. Oh, oh yeah, Patel. I love her. Patel, yes. And, uh, and, uh, and the fact that he thinks she might not be alive and one of the reasons he wants to go on that mission i thought that relationship this this year got a boost a little bit especially when they broke up uh -huh. and the episode where they lose their memory and what brings him back is the pendant that she gave him yeah so yeah. it helps bring him back so i thought that was really really a good relationship and really show, showcases what happens in real life when you have two people that have high-powered careers and how can they make a relationship work, whether right. it's by distance or their jobs or whatever. I thought that was really good. Yeah, and often it is a long-distance relationship for them because they're yeah. on separate ships. Um, yeah. I hope they don't kill her off. Um, yeah. It, was, it looked like they were going to kill her off and then they were to be continued. So I was like, well, maybe they're going to keep her on. Maybe they'll find a way to save her. Um, between now and and the next episode, because uh, I really would like them. Well, I would like to keep her on. I like her a lot. I like that actress a lot, and I like that character. Mm -hmm. And I think um, it, it gives Pike a character to be to ground him. You know, um, uh, you know he needs he needs somebody to be with, and it can't be any of his crew. But it gives him somebody that helps keep him grounded. And I think that's it's really good for his character as well. Absolutely. And really, I think the last thing I want to touch on is uh, the Klingons. The look of the Klingons. Yes. Does that kind of bother you a little bit that the prequel has them with the ridges? And, you know, I, I know Enterprise had that two-part episode. and Right. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, look. <laughs> This is this is a hot button topic. Um, it is <laughs> might be the most controversial topic Star Trek has ever ventured into. But um, but their look was different in Discovery, which takes place before this, than yes, it does true. now. Um, you know, I have come in my head canon um, that not every Klingon was affected by the by the plague that made them lose their ridges. We just happened to see. Klingons without ridges in the original series. But right. I mean, even with between the original series and the first movie is when they developed their ridges. I mean, it, Gene Roddenberry didn't care. He was just like, we didn't have the money to do ridges in the original. Right. Right. Now we do. So let's do give them a little different look. I mean, it's it's guys, it's just television. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you well, know, I love it. I love keeping track of who has the ridges and who doesn't. Yeah. But make up it's your like, own story about why, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I don't have a problem with it. Um, I, I mean, I remember even the original series, it's like, yeah, let's uh, put a put some mustache on them and a, and a goatee and, you know, color their skin a little bit. And then by the 
time you got to Kang, it's like, let's really make them a little darker. You know? yeah. And yeah. and first time we had a female Klingon in the episode. So we had right. to change her a little bit too. And, you know, they didn't have the money, but I thought Fred Phillips did a masterful job with what he had to do. Yeah, and absolutely. I mean, they were supposed to be, they at, at that time in history, they were supposed to be, was it the Japanese? I forget. They were supposed to be the enemies of America, basically, is what the Klingons were developed to be. Um, yeah, I should remember this because I wrote I wrote a think piece on this too. But, um, but you know, so that that kind of informed their look a little bit um, in the original series. We've moved away from that. Then they became the Russians and Glasnost and yes, all of that for by the time we got to Star Trek Six. So the Klingons, the way they use the Klingons changes from era to era. Um, you know our as you know, the world changes as as yeah. you know um, the enemies of America change, or the um, you know different things happen. Um, you know it, the the way they use the Klingons changes, um, and so the makeup changes along with that. And I don't I don't have a problem with that. You know, no, I don't either. I certainly don't either. So, you know, really, I I think it's a great season. Uh, they took some, as we said earlier, they took some risks that paid off, uh, really energized the audience, I thought, if I can use that pun. But um, but yeah, they really enjoyed it. And uh, and the chatter on the Internet was mostly positive. And it was like people were talking about that final episode for like months. It's Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think um, I think they made a really smart move in going back to an episodic format with just a little serialized pieces. Yeah. Um, I think that's really smart because it brings in people that maybe didn't start with episode one. Right. Um, they're able to jump into an episode and sort of follow what's going on. Um, and then they're intrigued by, well, so Chapel's got this, this uh, other job that she's going off to. Where did that whole thing begin? So then they go back and or they jump into an episode where Laon and Kirk are talking and they're like, wait, when did they meet and why doesn't Kirk remember her? And so then they go back and watch the series. I mean, I think it's a really smart way to do it. And I think fans are responding to that. It also feels a lot more like the way the original series was done. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of original series fans who I'm sure are watching Strange New Worlds. Um, it just Me included. It, <laughs> there you go. It has it has a classic feel um, with a modern veneer. Um, yeah, I agree. And I, agree. I think it, they're doing it just perfectly. I think it's the best Star Trek series out right now. It's it's certainly up there for me. It really, really is. Um, yeah, I I did like the Doctor uh, Corey reference. Yes. In one of the episodes for, yeah. for Chapel. It's like, ah, I know how that worked out. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. So, so you know, you know, it's like... About, the one thing about Chapel, I love, I love that character. I love Jess Bush. Oh, she's great. Yeah. Um, uh, but what, the one thing about her, I think she sort of did Spock dirty. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she spent a season and a half pursuing him. She finally gets him, and then she's like, "Nope, see, I'm leaving the ship." I, I, I feel bad for Spock in that instance. I, I feel like she, you know. And then she doesn't tell him. And then he has to find out by 
coming in and then having her sing a song. Um, yeah. You know, you know, instead of just telling him outright, this is the situation. I, you know, I think she didn't handle that real well. And I, I feel bad for Spock. <laughs> I do too. I, I, I he might've gotten his heart broken a little bit. Yeah. yeah. You know, so, uh, but yeah, interesting. I mean, that relationship, I love how they're playing it and yep. how it's being acted. Uh, it's just, and written. So it's, uh, it is interesting. I mean, we're fleshing out these characters in a way that hasn't been done before. And, um, you know, and now you look at the original series and I do, I go back to it all the time. And now I have a deeper appreciation because now I know a little more about who these people are. Yeah. Instead of at times being one dimensional based on the plot of the episode. You know, I mean, it was so Spock, Kirk, and McCoy centric. And really, Kirk and Spock were the, and then McCoy, you know, kind of warmed his way in there really nicely. But, but it was really about the big three, and um, and to to get stories about Uhura and Chapel, uh, you know, and and also Ortegas, who was a, supposedly she said originally a man in one of the pilots at Roddenberry Road. Yes. Yeah. So, um, it was. Do you remember they the character Jose Tyler? He was like. Yes. Yeah. In, in, he was in the cage. Yeah. Jose Ortegas. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah. And they changed yeah. it. I don't know why they changed his last name, but yeah. so then, which I think is a great nod to um to that that whole era. That yeah. If you yeah. Don't know. It's fine. You don't have to know. But if you know, you know. And I think it's really interesting. I think it's a great. A great little tidbit. It's it's a lovely Easter egg that we yeah. love. Yeah. I, and also, I, I just want to touch on briefly. I'm enjoying the hell out of uh, Lower Decks this season. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> to what? One episode where they walk into the storage room, and there's no mad. I thought that was hysterical. <laughs> I thought that yeah, was hysterical. I, I loved that they uh, promoted the characters. Um, you yes. know, not a thing I saw coming. But yeah. it makes sense if you know if you're looking at this as you know a continuing property, they're not going to be ensigns forever unless unless they're Harry Kim. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, so you know it makes sense that they're promoting them. Um, and uh, you know I love that they're promoted, but still lower deckers. I think that's yes. a great little thing. Um, yeah, and I, I love I love the series. I loved seeing Rom and uh, Lita. Oh my God! Yes episode you yes. know that um, was hysterical yeah. that was hysterical yeah no i i appreciated that and uh pray for the actors too who did who did such a fine job when yeah. ds9 was on and uh yeah it, lower decks is uh is just really i had problems at first and i told mike mayhan this but sure. I, i'm totally on board i love seeing it and the easter eggs that are dropped are just you know it's like this is these are people that love Star Trek. They don't want to demean it, and uh, yeah. that's so so cool. It's true. But, uh, I mean, it's, now that is fan service with a capital F A N. Yes, it is. B I C E, and mm -hmm. um, but it's okay. I mean, yeah, if you're not a Star Trek fan. You are almost certainly not going to watch that series. Um, because yeah. all it is is Easter eggs. It's just a yeah. series of Easter eggs in every episode. Um. So, but it is funny too. It's funny. It's very funny. It's hilarious. Uh, a lot of and a lot of the jokes you would get if you were not a Star Trek fan. But most most of the jokes you you'd only get on one level, and most of the jokes have yeah. two lower levels. 
Um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, but it's so much fun. And as you say, they obviously really, really know Star Trek and love Star Trek and love classic Star Trek. Um, and it's fun. It's a fun, it's a fun episode or a fun series um, to, and it's one that you don't have to take too seriously, you know? Not at all. But using that, from that terrible Deep Space Nine episode, Run Along Home. Oh my God, that was hysterical. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. One of the worst episodes of Deep Space Nine. Oh, I remember seeing Avery Brooks at a convention years ago talking about that, and he goes, Run Along Home? What? With <laughs> <laughs> his reaction, it's like, What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think they, they want to block that out of their memory if they can. Oh, yeah. <laughs> not, not, their, not their shining moment. <laughs> no. And, and I, I'm, I would be remiss if. I'm so happy to hear that Star Trek Prodigy has a new home on Netflix. I can't wait to see season two. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about that. The clips I've seen of season two are great. Wow. Um, uh, you know, and I've only seen a couple. Um, but they're you know they're bringing in the Doctor from Voyager. Um, yes, they've already shown that, and we know they're going to have Janeway, and no, we know they're going to have Chakotay. So what yeah. surprise uh, people are they going to have? Because surely they'll have somebody show up that they haven't yeah. Um, yeah so you know i love robert bob picardo's a, a oh. great great actor and great he actually reminds me of a good friend of mine um no, really but and i i talked to him a couple of years ago bob and um and even in person he reminds me of my friend so, <laughs> so i took an instant liking to him anyway um yeah. but uh but he's you know i'm so excited to have him um, on board into the new Voyager looks gorgeous and yeah I'm so excited that they found a home because that was I you know it's in a way I mean in a lot of ways it's a bummer yes Paramount dropped them because Paramount was the home of all things Star Trek and yep. now they're not which nope. I think is a terrible decision for them totally terrible but, you know, I'm I'm not running it, so you know. Yeah, don't um, regret that. I think don't regret that. Um, and yeah, I, people were surprised that Netflix picked it up after that whole debacle with uh, international uh, um, rights. You know, and and they Netflix had them, and then Paramount took them, and it was a whole thing. But I think Netflix is like, oh, let's take a jab at Paramount by picking up this show they dropped. Yeah, so yeah. That's that's my take is that yeah you know i think you're right they're saying <laughs> you're not all things star trek anymore right exactly you know, it's like we got you exactly now, bob picardo i i've always loved his work i mean he had like a relationship with joe dante in yeah. the 80s and was in so many of his movies um i think in inner space he played a character called the cowboy yes uh and then he played they had a drug that made his uh, that made Martin Short's face look like Robert Picardo's face, and Robert Picardo was acting as the outer appearance of the cowboy. Yet in, inwardly, he was uh, Martin Short, and it was he, he was hysterical. And I, I don't think like, I've ever seen that movie. I knew he was in it, but I don't think I've ever. Yeah, seen it. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. And and Love he was Martin in. Short. Gremlins too. Also, he got married yeah. in Gremlins too. Yeah, I do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, he's a great actor. He, yeah. he has he, such great comic timing, and uh, he does. Um, and he is so passionate about space travel and space. And yes, and 
all of that. You know, that's why I talked to him about. It. I talked to him a couple of years ago about the Planetary Society. Um, yes, yeah. And and uh, he, you know, he was just so articulate and so excited. And what was it? Something had just happened. We they just sent something up, or they oh oh it was um, the new pictures from the new satellite from from the oh, new. Oh, nice. um, He and I talked about that. And, yeah. um, and, you know, he's just so passionate about that kind of thing. And it, that's really nice to see when somebody from Star Trek in the real world is passionate about science too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Tony Tolado, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, this has been delightful talking about Star Trek Strange New Worlds. I think we both loved it. And uh, I really appreciate your joining me to talk about it. My pleasure. Uh, this is Tony Tolado from Sci-Fi Talk. And, Great to always talk to you, Rick. Daily Star Trek news. And a lot of those interviews he talked about are available on his site. And you should check out some really good insights also into season two. And on my YouTube channel, I have some of the cast as well talking before the season about the, the series. So, um, yeah, it, there's some good stuff out there. From both of us, you should check out and, and enjoy. And, uh, well, hopefully the... Actors will get back to work soon and yes. we'll be able yeah. to talk more about new episodes, which will probably be later than sooner. <laughs> the yeah. way it's going. Yeah. The way it's going. It, that That's going to be an awfully long cliffhanger. You thought when um, Captain Picard was kidnapped by the Borg, you had to wait three months was a long time. Well, <laughs> buckle it's up. It's going to be a little longer. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to ensure we continue to make content like this, why not support us on Patreon? Your donation not only helps us afford the hosting fees for our website and podcast, but also helps us to pay our writers. Even a donation of as little as a dollar a month helps to keep us running. Head over to www.patreon.com slash daily star trek news to help us out.